Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Carbon Curve. I'm your host, Naeem Merchant, and this is a podcast about the policies, technologies, and collective action needed to remove billions of tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and fend off the worst effects of climate change. Enhanced rock weathering is an area of carbon removal, or CDR, that I've been really intrigued by. When I think of ERW, I think about high potential for scale, benefits to farmers, and potentially challenging measurement reporting and verification. So, 35 episodes into this podcast, I'm finally doing an episode on enhanced rock weathering. Today, I'll be speaking with a company co-founder, alongside a newly minted CEO of a pretty well-known ERW company, to educate me about what has evolved in the ERW space over the last few years, and what the future has in store for this promising but still nascent carbon removal technology. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast at carboncurve.substack.com or through your favorite podcast app. Okay, let's get started. Hi, everyone. My guests today are Anastasia Pavlovic and Elliot Chang. Anastasia is the CEO of ION, which she joined in December 2023, bringing deep expertise in global operations and software with a passion for driving global change through local impact. Before joining ION, Pavlovic led operations, commercialization, and growth for the Agoro Carbon Alliance, which works with farmers to sequester carbon in soil. Prior to the alliance, Pavlovic commercialized software solutions in the US and Canada for Yara's digital farming organization, and she has worked for venture-backed software companies scaling ag tech and security products around the world. From West Virginia, Pavlovic holds a dual BS degrees in electrical engineering and systems engineering. Elliot is the co-founder and chief science officer at ION. With over 10 years of research experience in ion interactions with abiotic and biotic surfaces found in both subsurface terrestrial and marine systems, Elliot focuses on the research and development of technology at ION. Elliot provides a unique perspective on technology and innovation through his work in academia, national laboratories, and industry-based companies. Elliot has completed postdoctoral research positions at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, where he studied the physiochemical properties of swelling clays in soils, and at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, where he developed new computational modeling approaches for radionuclide and metal transport in soils and nuclear waste repositories. He received his PhD at UC Berkeley in environmental science, policy, and management, studying rare earth elemental interactions with bacteria in engineered bioreactor and natural soil systems. He received his Bachelor of Science in Environmental Engineering at Princeton University with a Certificate in Sustainable Energy. Elliot is a member of the American Geophysical Union, American Chemical Society, and Sigma Psi Honor Society. ION is a carbon removal company responsibly scaling enhanced rock weathering, or ERW, on agricultural lands. It holds an industry-first patent for directly measuring the carbon removed by mineral weathering in soils using immobile trace elements. Combining scientific rigor with agricultural know-how, ION fits into routine farming practices to unlock scale without compromising safety and rigor. That includes using olivine, a naturally abundant mineral that balances soil pH while efficiently absorbing carbon dioxide, and relying on routine soil samples and standard equipment to measure carbon removal and monitor soil conditions. By working with the agricultural system, ION is on track to deliver 10 million tons of permanent carbon removal annually, starting in 2030, while creating stable jobs in rural communities. Elliot, Anastasia, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks, Naeem. Thanks, Naeem. So, Elliot, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about ION's beginnings. Absolutely. So, um, to, to take us to the start uh, of this incredible journey uh, at ION, I have to start with the genesis. And, and it might sound trite, 
But I remember as a youngster, I watched uh, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth movie. And it, it, that was the first time that, that I was truly terrified of the, the, the true scale of the climate change uh, problem that we, that we face today. Um, and over the, over the many years after that kind of fear was struck into me, I, I really pursued and continued to hone my, my craft of research, if you will. I, I went to Princeton University and, and looked at isotope uh, hydrology. I went uh, to UC Berkeley and investigated soil geochemistry and, and, and then spent some time at the National Labs uh, looking at different trace elements found in the soil. And after all of that, I, I really realized that there's an actual natural process occurring on this, on this very earth called silicate weathering that, that happens, you know, even if we aren't measuring it. Um, and, and then I realized that if we have the eyes to really trace some of the, the things happening in nature, and if we could speed it up, that we could really do some good. So ION really formed as an as a opportunity of bring together kind of cool research opportunities to investigate what's happening in the soil and also really meaningful impact to, to mitigate climate change uh, through this novel technology. That's great. And Anastasia, as new CEO, can you tell us a little bit about your experience getting into carbon removal and joining ION specifically? Absolutely. So I studied engineering, as, as we talked about, and I went into software because startups and software were hot at that time. And I had a lot of fun doing a, a few kind of successful transactions in, in software startups in a few spaces. And I started thinking about what I wanted to do differently in the next chapter. And one of the things I fell in love with, uh, climate was a, a part of the things I was looking at and, and underneath which was agriculture. And I sort of fell in love with the problem set and thinking about bringing software and technology to change agricultural systems and, and how they're managed. So I did a, a software startup that focused on mechanistic modeling for scenario and simulation. And there was a, a big software infrastructure on top of that that helped run that at massive scale. So you could run that across millions and millions of acres at a time. And you could both look at things that have happened uh, in nature and things that have never happened and ask questions about what could be true of a future environment. That got me thinking about what if you had uh, software and data capabilities that allowed you to run those similar types of simulations, but on many land use types outside agriculture. And then I started asking, well, if you could run that, you could talk about for any given point of land, what is the best use for this land to protect against things like climate change and, you know, what would needed to to happen to change that land from what it is is today to what it ought to be. And then I got obsessed with voluntary carbon markets because I liked the example that uh, forestry, so this is you know, 2018, um, most of like the the really exciting big projects were were in forestry. Um, and so I was looking at that as a model for what's happening in in sort of like land use change and land use transition. And that led me to joining Yara. And Yara had a whole suite of different kind of digital ag and ag tech products uh, that I thought about when I thought about what data would be required to model these systems at like a really massive scale. But it took a while. And then we were talking about what on-field climate strategy looks like and what kind of like touching on-farm sustainability really means from a climate perspective. 
And so I began working on the strategy that became Agoro Carbon Alliance, which we spun off. It was it was a really exciting journey. We grew from you know, me being the only full time person on the on the staff to a, a big team uh, that operates on a few million acres in both the U.S. and Brazil. And to me, after I got that to the point of kind of a, a big, really exciting business and scaled that to a point, I started thinking about what would my next chapter look like to grow the next thing. And to me, um, enhanced rock weathering, I'm so excited to talk more about it with you. It's such a, an amazing topic. I fell in love with uh, ERW in the same way that I fell in love with with ag. And I, I believe it just has an incredible impact in the in the future of, of climate change. I love, as Elliot mentioned, the fact that it is a natural solution that can be accelerated. There are a, a bunch of pieces that make that, you know, more tested and proven than our best engineered solutions. But of course, we need to all have every carbon removal solution coming online that we can. So I, I met Adam and, and Elliot and a few others on the team through my my time in ag and decided uh, finally to to make the leap. And it's it's been a blast so far. That's really great. And that's a really great story. It's um it's a, a really interesting transition and also a very relevant transition. And I feel like I'm talking to the dream team here because we've got, you know, the expert in in the the technical elements of this uh, at a very kind of fundamental level. And then we have someone who actually has worked with in agriculture for as long as you have, Anastasia, to kind of marry these two pieces and help Ion scale. So let's start from the basics. Can you provide a brief overview of, of just what enhanced rock weathering is and how it works and, and how Ion approaches this, Anastasia? Absolutely. So imagine that you have a set of rocks and those rocks have been f- performing these rock weathering processes for millennia. And what that means is that they're interacting with acidity and soil and environment, and they're weathering over time. And that process actually removes carbon very slowly from the atmosphere and stores that permanently for hundreds of thousands of of years. And what I think is amazing about this process is that we actually use the exact same process that happens in nature, um, but we have ways to accelerate this. And accelerating this process means that we are amplifying the surface area of the rocks. And that means that we are able to speed up the weathering process much faster than occurs naturally on Earth. And so I'll walk you a little bit through the entire process, but we're able to pulverize the rocks in a way that makes kind of like a dust. And we're able to apply those rocks to existent farming systems. And that's important because there's a lot of infrastructure uh, that exists in agriculture today that applies ag lime. And so ag lime and olivine and other types of minerals are really excellent at mitigating pH in farming systems already. And so the idea is that instead of asking farmers to make a really big uh, change to the way that they manage their practices today, we're actually just asking them to use slightly different set of minerals in the same process that they're using today. And that helps with their farms in terms of healthy soils and pH, but it also removes a lot of carbon um, in an incredibly efficient way. And so that's kind of how to think about the the end-to-end process. I've always been really fascinated by ERW as an overall carbon removal approach. What's felt like a bit of a black box to me is how we do measurement reporting and verification or MRV um, on ERW solutions. 
Elliot, can you tell us more about ION's approach to MRV and how you kind of envision the establishment of kind of protocols and standards around this in the broader sector? Yes. And if you if you think of MRV and trying to set some context uh, to this to, to MRV, without it, so without quality MRV, we can't truly unlock the potential of enhanced rock weathering um, as a meaningful carbon removal solution. It is not possible. Um, Off takers demand accounting transparency. Um, if we're going to talk about truly permanent, durable carbon removal, we can't do without MRV. And this is why, you know, one of the turning points for ION's history was around six months into incorporation when my co-founder Adam and I, we invented a new way to actually evaluate this carbon removal process. And frankly, three, even three years ago, when we were doing prior arts and we were investigating other approaches, much of the methods out there were more on the academic side, perhaps uh, analytical approaches that would be conducted on laser instruments done in national laboratories or, or in university settings. And, and what we wanted to do is to bring a solution that was truly adoptable by analytical labs all around the country, you know? And so we patented this direct measurement approach. The way I, I view this is perhaps a, a brief history on how we came up with this approach. And that is to say, as Anastasia said, this rock weathers, right? And we've increased its surface area and it's dissolving due to natural soil acidity. However, that carbon that gets captured eventually percolates its way through, uh, through using the uh, water cycle, it percolates through into rivers and into oceans where they are ultimately stored, this carbonate molecule. So if you're basically flushing that out, how do you measure something that uh, is being lost from the atmosphere and flushing through the soil? It's a very tricky question. And, and one elegant idea was to have these exchange resins in the soil. We were, we were building instruments back in the day that would try to capture some of this flowing carbon. And what we realized in the inception for me was the soil is in fact that instrument. And what I mean by that is if you have the eyes to see the fingerprint left behind by these dissolving rocks, uh, these geotracers in a sense, and if we can measure the change from a baseline to, you know, uh, after application, if you could measure that change and, and do some geochemical calculations, we actually have a very firm understanding of, of how this enhanced rock weathering process can induce carbon removal. And then actually by generating these digital artifacts, ION is able to convert a very physical process of rock processing and application and into, into the digital sphere of, of these artifacts that can be translated into essentially carbon removal credits. And so hopefully then this, this paints a picture of why MRV is important um, and how, how ION has approached uh, MRV in, in enhanced rock weathering through a direct measurement approach. That's really great. And, and it seems absolutely fundamental to so many carbon removal approaches as getting the MRV right. You know, I've had uh, previous guests say MRV is the product, you know, and I think that's kind of an interesting way to think about it um, as something that's important to get right in, in this field and, and others. Um, so we've talked a little bit about olivine, but across ERW, Elliot, what are the minerals commonly used today and, and how do the different kind of rocks that you might use in ERW differ and, and how can they be sourced? The way I like to think about this is that a variety of different minerals exist in nature and they weather naturally at different paces. And um, the way I think about it, it's just a different flavor. Each rock or mineral provides a, a unique 
benefit uh, to the environment. And so olivine, for instance, tends to be faster weathering. I mean, this is advantageous for us. It tends to be able to buffer the soil pH particularly well. There are other minerals such as basalt that contain phosphates, which help unlock, let's say, the soil fertility aspect. So for us, we really see uh, enhanced rock weather and holistically that a lot of different resources, um, basalt, olivine, wollastonite, can be exploited uh, to do ERW um, safely. For ion, we do focus on olivine. And one of the main reasons is that it is a high-performing soil amendment and an alkalinizer. We believe through our uh, soil tests that it can replace agricultural lime basically one-to-one. And so to be able to provide this solution to the farmer without additional tons, essentially, like physical mass, not having to increase from a transport standpoint, from a life, life cycle assessment, and, and, and just feasibility is hugely desirable. And, and one small comment I also want to make is with any new technology, even enhanced rock weathering, which starts off as a natural process and is, in a sense, uh, in a sense geoengineered, we're accelerating a process that, that, that nature already does, there's always going to be technological resistance in, in some shape or, or fashion. And, and so for us, we're very conscientious that we're asking the world to perceive this technology, uh, is that this brand new technology. And so we're hoping that by being a one-to-one replacement with Agline and it being a very potent rock to do ERW, that we're kind of facilitating some of this acceptance in a really real way present day. Yeah. And when I think about acceptability and kind of what you're talking about, Elliot, my mind goes to scalability. And, and so I'd love to kind of switch it over to Anastasia for a second. Um, you know, what is the scalability of ERW, both in, in the United States maybe to start, but potentially around the world? You know, and what's the potential of ERW in helping kind of achieve our carbon removal goals? The IPCC put out a report earlier this year about all of the solutions that that many of us are are working on and obsessed with in, in climate tech. And they noted enhanced rock weathering as, you know, having the potential to achieve a third of humanity's overall uh, carbon removal goals per year. That's obviously enormous. That is going to require an immense amount of of growth and scale and infrastructure to to exist that doesn't today. But it's an unbelievable potential in terms of what it can do for for industry and for the planet. When you think about the agricultural scalability, um, but also other land use types, there are hundreds of millions of agricultural land across a variety of of cropping systems and, and working land systems. Um, in the U.S. alone, this opportunity is extraordinary. I've spent the last 10 years focusing on this, scaling new technologies into these markets. Also important to note that scaling them while understanding the realities of the existing agriculture infrastructure, which is actually really excellent and is a benefit to us as we scale. It takes time, but it's a really, really strong and proven value chain to work with when you're talking about bringing these new capabilities online. And so I like the idea that you're not totally reinventing new flywheels, but rather you're embedding into existing infrastructure. And I think in order to in order to scale further, we have to combine this very real execution focus of what's true in our working land systems and what it means for farmers with this MRV and, and science and carbon removal knowledge. Uh, those two worlds, which are which are kind of far apart today in some ways. Yeah, I would love to chime in also on on Anastasia here, where to reach that scale, we, we originally had to develop 
this verification approach to direct measurement to build that trust early on. And so what you'll see with ION is a desire to really legitimize this technology that we so much love. And so we went out and we tried to invent an approach and we got this year a successful patent award, basically saying that we can commercially scale this and do this in a meaningful way. And also for us to share this knowledge with academians. And we went through the process of peer review and received a first of kind publication in this journal, Global Change Biology. And and throughout the year have attended multiple international conferences, uh, sharing our, our understanding of this approach. And so now that we kind of provided the groundwork uh, to to do this direct measurement first, we're you know really pleased that Anna is leading us and and for us to be thinking about scaling this business within the existing agricultural infrastructure. The two pieces that you talked about seem really critical to scale, and that's um, that's really exciting for Ion in terms of uh, in terms of the model and making this uh, ubiquitous. But let's talk about some of the constraints. What are some of the constraints in scaling enhanced rock weathering worldwide? Whether it's land. Uh, capital MRV challenges, what are some of the key constraints to scale? I like to think about the opportunity in education from when you look at market education overall, we think about the average consumer or the our friend or the person that we bump into in the street to the farmer who's thinking about what management changes look like in you know, 2024, like enhanced rock weathering, policymakers that are thinking about how to implement things like IRA and beyond. Um, there's this massive group of, of people like us as well who are just focused on climate tech and carbon removal and all the niches within. We have to do a better job of educating people on rock weathering as a category. This is critical to think about how it scales, how to create more supply, more demand, all of the elements. Uh, and, and it really does require bringing a totally new system online that most people, when they hear about it, are asking, is that real? Is, is this science fiction or, or we, you know, people really do that? You really work on that? It's one of the, the reasons I'm excited to be on the podcast and talk to many more people about our story. For ag partners and farmers, we have to grow the way we work with existing agricultural distribution systems. This has to work for farmers and landowners who are sort of owning and operating the existing land use systems, this is critical for adoption. They are at the forefront of everything that we do. Uh, without them, this doesn't exist. That was something that I absolutely loved building at Agoro, was this focus around what it really means to apply this in practice. It's great to have theories, but many of them break down in the practicalities of the world. And so I think that's another big area. And of course, you know, when we look at measurement quantification, I see a need to grow the existing data sources that allow us to scale the MRV and quantification over time to much more cheaper, lighter options. But you sort of have to do that hard work up front as an industry of really proving out and showing the data and watching what happens to that as we scale and then iterating within. So can you tell us a little bit about ION's operations specifically and, and its offerings that maybe make it unique from other ERW providers? Elliot talked about the patented direct measurement approaches and how that impacts the, the quality of quantifying enhanced rock weathering, which is, is super important to scaling. 
not just ION, but the industry as a whole, tapping into the existing supply chain and the ag value chain. I've mentioned this a few times. It's important that you're reinventing or helping to modernize certain systems, uh, but others we need to keep in place that like, really make sense on the ground for farmers and landowners. Another thing, we partner on the supply side with Sabelco, who is a longstanding mineral supplier. This is incredibly important because we've been able to secure the supply that's required to scale into the next you know, five years and beyond of enhanced rock weathering. Much more to come on that. On the agricultural side, I, I've talked about this, but really fitting into existing practices, not asking farmers to make massive management changes overnight that are incredibly risky to the operations. Even if they have a net benefit to people and planet, we take advantage as, as those of us who are not farmers, we take for granted how hard these things are to actually implement and how long they take to do. And so it's really important to me that we're fitting into what it means to manage today in existent systems uh, like AgLime and how those are scaled today. Yeah, the, the point around trying to build this into existing operations as much as possible is really compelling to me. But there's something you touched on earlier that I'd love to get into. Um, Ion secured, I think it was 500,000 tons of olivine per year from Sabelco. What can you tell us about that partnership? So Sabelco is a really amazing strategic partner in minerals. And I think what is fascinating about olivine as a, a starting point for Ion is, you know, Elliot spoke about the different minerals that you can use. And frankly, they all have a place and it depends on sort of the application, the market. I believe that the efficacy of using olivine as an aglime application in terms of the farmer and the benefit, it is many times often even more effective than traditional aglime that, that farmers are used to using. And that's really important because we're asking them to do something slightly different in applying a different mineral. And we need to be sure that it actually still gives them at least that benefit, if not more. And so I, I see a lot of exciting room to improve on what other products and use cases can you mix enhanced rock weathering with that make a total package. But there's a, you know, a massive amount of olivine production. Sabelco is responsible for providing a huge amount of olivine to existing world markets today. The other thing I'll note about them is that they quarry stone with hydropower. That is hugely important to the efficiency of operations that it takes to, to kind of bring olivine to a, a massive scale with a low CO2 footprint. And so I think this is this partnership is really just the the first of many that will be required to to grow responsibly as as we scale both in the U.S. and worldwide. That's really great. And it's great to hear that there are low carbon opportunities to source olivine and other minerals and rocks that would be necessary for this processes and that that's hopefully going to be a standard in how we deploy ERW at scale across the industry. Um, Elliot, you've been on this journey for a while, and it sounds like you've become the first company to deliver ERW carbon removal to Stripe. Can you tell us a little bit about the significance of that delivery, just thinking about you know, the beginnings of ION and, and then where you are today? For me, at this point behind the B2B interactions comes the people. And for that, I, I have to give my most heartfelt thank you 
to the Stripe team. I have to say thank you to Ryan Orbuck and to Joanna for their belief in ION. And frankly, two, three years ago, the MRV landscape was pretty barren. Um, and so they believed in our approach and we've worked with the Stripe team, uh, with scientists there, including Zeke, Hal's father too, to evaluate our, uh, our MRV, what we can do, what we can measure on the field. So with that, you know, Stripe's acceptance of our initial delivery and, and their subsequent repurchase is, abs- is, is absolutely huge validation of the work and the legwork that we have done over the past three years. It, it further confirms the scientific rigor uh, behind this uh, ERW approach as a net negative emission technology and an ION's belief to directly account for every ton of carbon that is removed. Um, and so we're really excited uh, to have met Stripe's high technical standards. Um, and again, just to salute them for the collaborative nature in which uh, we've worked alongside them over the past couple of years. And for us, it's, you know, it, it, it's certainly a feel good for, for ION to be the first uh, and to make that stake. But, but I think what's also you know, almost more important is what we are unlocking for the whole field to say that this is possible, you know, uh, that with these innovations, with these measurements, um, with our direct accounting of CDR, um, it, that it is possible. And so Stripe's acceptance just underscores that many young companies can, in fact, achieve this. And again, I'm just so thrilled that Anna has joined full-time as a CEO to help us scale this. Um, but Stripe's early work with us has been absolutely tremendous. Yeah, it truly is about the people. And I think we all owe a lot to Stripe's just leadership and, and vision around being able to take risks around the carbon removal field and and recognize that some of this stuff is going to work and some of it is not going to work, but that something needed to get done to get things started and to be able to support entrepreneurs and innovators like yourselves and being able to get ION off the ground and start to work on some of those tricky issues around MRV or some of the other uh, innovations that make your process possible. Um, I don't know how we would have gotten this ball rolling if it weren't for the likes of Stripe and others. I feel like we would be not quite as far along as we are now. So I'm really, really glad to see that we are starting to talk about deliveries of carbon removal credits and not just pre-purchases, which is fantastic. Um, I'm going to switch over to my kind of policy hat a little bit here and, and ask you, Anastasia, what policy support are you seeing for ERW and what kind of policy support is needed going forward? There's three areas that I think about many work streams therein. But the first one is thinking about in the same way Stripe has has started to attack in Frontier behind it for industry, how to increase top of funnel for academia and private institutions and, and collaborations of the two to do more R&D in enhanced rock weathering. You mentioned about, you know, thinking about taking risk in these areas. And we have to be wise in attacking a lot of these new technologies that aren't so well understood. And in order to do that, I think we we look for much more program and support coming out of multiple agencies to make that happen. One of the things that's happening now when we talk about existing policy support and movement is related to the agricultural side. So USDA is working on some policy changes with respect to bringing uh, enhanced rock weathering into their CRP program as an approved practice, which means that it can unlock the way that USDA regional and local offices can support through a variety of, of activities for their local farmers. 
there's also other avenues within Farm Bill, other USDA and other land agencies that will help us think about how to increase adoption for rock weathering as a whole. And finally, one that's a, a long and complicated topic, but a very important one, which is around incentives and tax credits. We talked about Inflation Reduction Act earlier, reducing the unit cost of what it means to operate a lot of these big industry solutions like ERW and direct air capture and VEX and others is extremely important to get more operations online faster. And so that is the big bucket that I suspect most of the work will happen in the next five years. All of that sounds like a big policy agenda, but one that is certainly necessary for scaling carbon removal. And and I, I really like the focus on urgency and getting things built and off the ground now. That's certainly the angle that we take with Carbon Removal Canada in, in talking about this with policymakers and, and others in government, that there's an openness and an interest to carbon removal. We need to tell the story of why we need to start building these pieces now. Why do we need to start advancing the RD&D agenda now? Uh, Anastasia, I feel like we were lucky enough at Carbon Curve to be one of the first people to talk to you as, as new CEO of ION. What's your mandate and what are your key priorities going into 2024? Many of which we've we've already discussed, but I think succinctly bringing enhanced rock weathering even more into the forefront of, of climate tech solutions, to me, that means much more education to a variety of audiences inside industry and outside. More data, more data availability that scientists and private public partnerships can use to develop the technology and grow the industry. And frankly, more collaboration as well. I think as this industry grows, it is incredibly clear to me that there will be no winning carbon removal solution. If, In fact, if we all win, it means that there will be many more um, competitive, if you want to call it, solutions, and that's good. We need all of them online faster. And so I think bringing all of this to the forefront of the conversation and the new technologies that maybe people haven't heard about is a huge part of that. The other thing is is obvious but extremely important for not just ION but for the industry overall is commercial scale and commercial progress. We've just started to see what the first real deals look like in enhanced rock weathering. We need many, many more of these deals from players, you know, not just ION, but others, if the industry is going to be successful in scaling this approach. And, and I believe that we want to try to generate deals that reflect different buyers, different needs on not just the offsetting and carbon removal side, but also the the insetting and reducing companies' own emissions. I think there's a, a variety of ways to do this, and we really have just scratched the surface of commercial creativity. And so those are, I think, the two big areas. Uh, and then I work with Elliot and, and of course, managing the, the internal technology and, and science to make sure that that scales as well as we grow. That's a certainly a big job um, and, and wish you luck in that, in that endeavor. I guess this is a question for both of you. You know, what's next for ION and, and how can people learn more? I'll start and Elliot can, can add his two cents as well. I do think there's a balance between scaling fast, but of course being responsible, being smart and, and keeping it an incredibly high quality, rigorous product. We have the science and the MRV in place. We have the supply. We have to do everything we can to, to start to tap away at the, the massive scale that ERW holds. 
um, but we have to be diligent and we have to be careful. And so it's a, it's going to be a constant balance of of those two things, strengthen our agricultural ties and connecting with our our agriculture and our landowner roots without without farming and and those systems enhanced rock weathering would be incredibly difficult to scale. We have deep partnerships with ag retailers to think about how do we grow relationships in the communities that they already support so that, again, we're not like trying to push in a new technology or a a new way of working that dramatically changes the way that farming happens today. And we talked about this a lot, but educating that market, empowering the customers that are buying different types of carbon removals to consider enhanced rock weathering as a, as a part of their strategy. And so I think that helps not just move enhanced rock weathering forward, but frankly, all of the more permanent solutions that might be newer and are still coming online. This is a very important signal for, for all of us. So, you know, what you asked the question, what's next for ION? And I can't help but reflect the last three years have seen tremendous growth in this industry, not only in terms of commercial progress and traction, but also in terms of the technological innovations uh, that have had to have been made uh, from industry scientists, national lab staff, from academics, um, all, all, all sorts of industries that have had to come together to make enhanced rock weathering, in a sense, a more mature technology um, that can be offered to the market today. And I just wanted to leave us with this idea of uh, collaboration and and all boats rise here. And the way I think about this is I'd love for, for anyone listening to this and is interested in enhanced rock weathering, reach out, uh, reach out to, to Anna, reach out to myself. We are constantly looking for brilliant scientists to work with us, to collaborate with us. We're looking for great talent to, to investigate different business models and different approaches for us to see creatively how enhanced rock weathering can get even more traction commercially. And so just a little plug, uh, to those that are curious, even even slightly interested to learn more, we'd love to, to connect with you um, and to empower you to, to be advocates for enhanced rock weathering. This is truly a, a one-of-a-kind technology that is here to stay. We're pleased to be deploying today, and we can't wait to see the future of this technology and, and how it can impact society uh, in a meaningful way. What a great note to end on, and absolutely want to plus one, the point around collaboration and just the exciting opportunity to get involved with a company that's advancing this important field of carbon removal. Please get in touch with uh, Elliot and Anastasia for those who are interested. Thank you both for what you're doing and thank you for taking time to be on the podcast. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you.